back to the IM Symposium, the Winter Solstice Gathering of the Sages. Today we have a really special guest. She was actually the developmental editor for my upcoming book, Winds of Spirit. Stephanie has a unique gift. She could see the book in form before it even took flight. She is the three times Amazon best-selling author, a nonfiction editor, and publishing strategist with 32 years of experience in the book business. Her A-list clients include New York Times and national best-selling authors Greg Braden, Dale Dwoskin, and Ruby Payne, among others. Clients regularly come back for work on their next projects. Stephanie has co-written and been a ghostwriter for over 50 projects. She works with the major publishing firm's top caliber literary agents and innovative self-publishers. Since 1996, she has worked with more than 600 clients, many repeats, editing, consulting, coaching, and co-authoring. Clients consult with Stephanie on varying things from, is my proposal ready, to what kind of distributor should I choose? Stephanie can help you make the best decisions for your book from manuscript creation, editing to design, packaging, cover copy, distribution, and promotion. And you can reach Stephanie at stephaniegunning.com. And that list doesn't say half of what Stephanie's talents are. So welcome in Thanks for joining us for this winter solstice gathering. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for you with the launch of your book that's coming up. And your name belongs on that uh, bio that you read. <laughs> so let's see, let's see you be the shamanic you know, bestseller uh, coming up. It, and you know, I'm very excited. Thank you. Oh. Let me get back in here. So today, Stephanie is going to present on some of the, the, the ways that you can write so that you can navigate these turbulent winds that are blowing right now for all of us in our lives. And writing is a really good uh, self-reflective tool. And, and, you know, even last week, Stephanie said to me, hey, maybe you better start journaling again so you can have this experience recorded and maybe figure out what's really going on here as you get close to your book launch. And I found it really, really helpful. So I'm really looking forward to what you have to share with us today. Okay. Well, you know, I, I cycle through ideas and it's almost like a kind of unconscious mapping process that I move through because one, people will arrive in my life with their creative work. And when I'm editing them, I start forming connections between the work. And there is, that's just this kind of zeitgeist or ghost of the time. And we are very much in turbulent times. So uh, you asked me to speak about how to manage turbulence. And one of the, one of the things that, that occurs to me is that, you know, we very naturally and spontaneously respond to crisis in our lives, whether it is a physical injury, like currently, you know, I've been recovering from a knee injury, 
and it's been very frustrating and it, you know, and it starts having significance. It reminds me of, you know, I'm getting a little bit older and I start worrying, what does that mean? You know, and so you, you have feelings and then you have thoughts about the feelings and what is in the world that is kind of triggering you uh, I, like I, I got a letter in the mail. I had pledged a donation of $500 and in installments, I had been paying a little bit, a little bit, a little bit over several months. And they sent me a letter saying I hadn't paid all but the first payment. And I was like immediately very irritated. And I was going to like write this mean spirited reply, you know, and uh, you know, a minute later I thought, Oh man, they must be they must be feeling like they have to write letters to like 500 people. It's not just me. I was feeling picked on, victimized, uh, shamed because I hadn't paid it in one payment. Whatever it was that was on the story in my head that was the thought that was associated with the trigger and the emotion it brought up, it happened so quickly that I know that that is unconscious, right? So. A couple of my clients recently have been Jungian analysts and these, you know, so I have been spending some time over on the Carl Jung Institute website, reading blog articles, trying to understand the definitions of some of these words and phrases. And one of them is, you know, they talk about how the, con the conscious mind sets an intention. It's deliberate. It, once you choose that path, what basically happens is that uh, anything that your conscious mind decides is irre uh, irrelevant is filtered out. But just because your conscious mind thinks it's irrelevant doesn't necessarily mean it's so, right? So your unconscious mind continues to try to feed you data that is relevant that you're overlooking. And so what will happen is, you know, you'll say, okay, I'm going to write a book and here we go. Right. And then your, your conscious mind, you sit down at your desk, you begin to write and then, you know, you get called away or you accidentally hit the wrong button and you delete it or something happens. You get on one train of thought, and then another train of thought pulls you off, uh, whatever it is. And, you know, so you're, it's not that you're at the conscious mind and the unconscious mind are at war with one another. Actually, the unconscious mind, which is the mind of symbols and the mind of feelings and the, uh, the mind of, of memory and, uh, and collective knowledge, and also sensations and repressed information, it's actually trying to support your conscious mind. Now your conscious mind uh, is, you know, and I'm not an analyst, so I may get this wrong. Forgive me if you're a Jungian analyst and I'm saying this wrong, but this is my understanding. When you do begin to feel a strong conflict, and for, for example, if you're trying to make a decision or, you know that, you know, so like with the, with what happened with me with the letter, I was immediately going to reply 
with a mean letter, I thought I was having somebody be mean to me, so I'm going to reply with a mean letter, right? So conflict, boom, boom, boom. And I didn't like the way that felt in my body at all. Very quickly, thank God, it just spontaneously popped. And I thought, and I had the insight, this isn't about me. It's not, I don't have to defend me. The, you know, the ego doesn't have to defend me. Um, I'm perfectly fine. Actually, that lady who wrote the letter is the one with the problem, not me. So I wrote a very kind letter instead. I actually had to unseal the envelope and insert the nicer letter. I had already gone that far. It was so fast, right? So um, think about, you know, uh, Donald Trump on Twitter. You know, he's not giving himself time to slow down and let this function of his mind, you know, transcend the paradigm of opposition, right? So they call this the transcendent function. Uh, and basically it is natural. It is the way we are trained to uh, train. It is an innate biological brain function that helps us to feel whole again. And sometimes you don't even have to solve a problem, you just have to transcend it. It no longer is a problem, it just evaporates. So when you're in a turbulent time and you're feeling this kind of pain because you're not transcending, you're stuck in the middle of it. Whew, it is so difficult, right? You know, we all go through these phases. You know, sometimes life is going along great, and then sometimes we just cannot get with it. We, you know, or we want to go in 10 different directions. This happens to me all the time in my work. Should I work on this one today or that one today or this one? Or, oh, my God, they all have equal weight to me. I, I don't know what to do. I feel paralyzed. And it's very, very uncomfortable and painful experience, right? So in those moments, what I believe uh, that the, we can make space to, for the transcendent function to emerge through different therapeutic writing techniques. And these are not complicated at all. So a couple more thoughts, right? So that's the transcendent function. This is natural transcending of opposition or, or apparent opposition, let me put it that way, right? Because we perceive ourselves as being double-minded about something, uh, you know, for instance, you know, should I marry him or shouldn't I? Should I marry him or shouldn't I? It could be good or it could be bad. It could be good, it could be bad, right? You don't know what to do. Should I take the job? Shouldn't I take the job? Should I take the job? Shouldn't I? You're just stuck, right? It's very, very uncomfortable. And maybe, um, you know, you, as you push it away, what starts to happen is you start having more vivid dreams or something like that, right? So uh, one thing you can do which is very obvious, is you can begin to let the unconscious material emerge by just doing free-flowing writing. I would do it early in the morning before your conscious mind has extremely asserted itself. Uh, a lot of people have read the book by Julie Cameron where she talks about morning pages and she just says write three pages every morning and throw them away. That is uh, to flush out that unconscious material. back over it 
there might be one sentence that jumps out at you. So here's the thing, when the transcendent function occurs, it grips you, right? They even use that word in the Jungians, like it grips you. You go, aha, you know, like I get it. <laughs> like you know that you've had the insight. And afterward, nothing is the same, right? So you've transformed, you haven't just moved the furniture around on the uh, deck of the Titanic, you know, as they say, you have literally left the Titanic and you're on a different boat altogether. And, you know, so as a creative person, I want to be using my mind deliberately, but I really love the symbolic intuitive level of communication that my, you know, that my unconscious provides to me. The gifts it gives me are very powerful. It gives me metaphors. It gives me um, sensory detail. It, it helps me to make intuitive leaps from small amounts of data to large amounts of wisdom. Uh, it helps me find the right vocabulary to communicate with. So, so here's a few more things. So when you, want to, when you want to find some healing or some wholeness or make a decision or get prepared for an event, such as writing or giving a talk or whatever, what you do is you use a technique that I call the what more technique. And basically it looks like this. I don't know if you're gonna be able to see it. See, you write what more? <laughs> And then you write this line down the middle of the piece of paper. <laughs> and then you begin, you say, I, I need to decide whether or not to renew my lease next year. What more do I need to know? And then you, you look at it and, and you, I only advocate spending five minutes. I would even set a timer. And you start write, you just start writing the answer to the question, what more do I need to know? Well, I really hate my landlord, uh, need to get the windows fixed. You know, I'm just making this up, you know, but I went through this recently, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I need to, you know, earn more income, you know, whatever you go and let's say like 10 things will immediately come out, banal, important, whatever. And you'll come to a lull. And right when you come to that lull, you just write the words again, what more? And then you start writing the answers again. And, and what happens is, you know, you'll see that, you know, as you start fleshing it out, it'll happen more and more frequently. And guess what? You can turn the page, right? And then something will happen where you'll arrive at an insight. Um, and and this is where the richness is. This is where you're really being provided with a newer, bigger, better idea, right? And you may have to, you know, when you're done, that's the one you want to pursue. You will know immediately, like, I need to go do research. So this page that I'm showing you was for this presentation. And it's, it says, drink, you know, have a pee drink some water, you know, make sure you got water, you know, that kind of stuff. And then it said, and finally I came on the second page and it said, look up the symbols of the winter solstice. 
And I was like, well, duh, right? So I looked it up and uh, in every culture around, you know, in the same way that the wind is in every culture, when the earth goes spiral is on its axis away from the sun and it, the nights get darker and the air gets colder, everybody has a big party. <laughs> and it's usually a total reversal. And it, it's, and it reminds me of um, the conscious and the unconscious mind. So uh, the one that I, that I want to describe is called the Saturnalia. You've heard of it. It sounds like a big party, right? Uh, Saturn was worshiped by the Romans in the winter around the time of the solstice. And they actually shut down all the courts and all the post, they didn't have post offices. I'm going to say post offices. They shut down all the institutions that held order in society. And then everybody switched positions. The slaves were the masters, the masters fed the slaves. Uh, they went wild. They took like the lowliest peasant, they made him a king. Now the bummer is they then murdered him afterwards, but you know, and they shared fruit, dolls, which were symbolic of human sacrifices and candles. And we're still doing this, right? We're still sharing this. So it was, uh, um, as the darkness comes, it feels chaotic. And then we find the light again. When you are feeling like your world is chaotic or your mind is chaotic, by, by letting the, the chaos of the unconscious mind rise up into consciousness, however you may, what happens is the two things merge and balance and order are restored. But you're wiser, you're more whole, you've transformed, you're in a new place, it's something new. And um, so valuable. So here's the thing about therapeutic writing, there's been a lot of research done on different techniques since the 90s. And it is not, the value is not just in re-triggering trauma. You don't want to just write about feelings because you can actually stimulate the memory and it just plays itself over and over and over and over again. And that doesn't get you out of the cycle. That doesn't actually bring the transcendent function to the fore. What you need to do is you need to find meaning which involves thinking. So if, when you feel, then you need to write about the thoughts that accompany the feeling. And those two things together, that meaning-making aspect that connects the mind and the heart, it is so beautiful. It is, it is, the, it is the realm of poetry. It is the realm of myth and legend. It is, uh, it is symbol and uh, imagination. And then from that, you can deliberately create your life. So when you sit down, uh, the rules are basically that you want to be deliberate about the reason that you're writing. What kind of wholeness are you trying to create? And, and believe me, this, this like really puts you in control of your life, right? So, um, the second rule is you've got to tell the truth. 
it does no good if you lie to yourself. You, you have to, um, well, it makes you mindful, right? Because you are working with your conscious mind and your unconscious. By writing it down, you're slowing yourself down enough that you can be conscious of the unconscious material that was previously filtered out. And it's, it really helps uh, if you look at whatever the situation is from multiple points of view. And this is something that you, that you can teach yourself to do, and it is a kind of a mindfulness technique. So the mindfulness is where you engage the witness, right? So interestingly, whenever you're writing, there's always a reader in your mind, right? I could say Renee is reading my writing, but it's not actually Renee's who I think Renee is. So it's really a, it's me. It's a symbolic representation of, of myself that com is coming to me in the form of Renee. So I can talk to anybody, anywhere, at any time in history. I can talk to a god. I can talk to my parents. I can talk to uh, imaginary beings. I can, I can talk to myself like, as a child or an old lady, whoever, you know, whatever. It, it, you know, choosing who you're writing to uh, can be a part of the therapeutic process because like in a dream, when you're writing something wise that you've been filtering out is going to come to you, right? And then the last rule is really just be patient. You know, you're gonna, you may be in a period of discomfort. You already are in discomfort if your times are turbulent. And you know, you engage the process and then you have to wait for the material to show up. And it will, I promise you. If you do this and you write it down, you'll go take a walk and a taxi cab will drive by and there'll be a poster on the billboard with the exact words that you needed to hear. And you'll have a dream that night or somebody will call you and you'll start noticing the same phrases repeated everywhere you look. And you will transcend and feel better. And it always happens. This is totally human. It's human to have, to have inner conflict. And uh, writing can help you take what's inside and set it to motion in the outside world, which gives you back a measure of control. So as I was thinking about what I was going to talk about today, and the what more technique. Uh, the message I got was this, how powerful the, the human imagination is, uh, how it can bring order out of chaos, and that it always makes us free. So if I was in a prison cell, I would ask somebody to give me a pen and a piece of paper. Because then I could do anything and go anywhere that I wanted. I love that idea. <laughs> yeah, try it. <laughs> I'm gonna try it. Were you Were you gonna give us an exercise to try, or is this the exercise we're that supposed is to try? The exercise, okay, the I just want to make sure that there wasn't more exercises to do. Oh no! I mean, look, uh, I could give you a bunch of them. I'm sure, but that's. I mean, try, writing, I try writing a letter to to 
this this reader. Pick, try picking different readers and seeing you know what you get. That's interesting with the readers, and you know, right now my relationship with the wind is pretty strong, and so I'll say something like last night, like I don't know why you don't understand. I've waited for sixty years for this moment, and they're like, tell us something significant, you know, like <laughs> this is like. <laughs> A drop in the pan in time. So, you know, so like when you start really getting that, you know, you know, that, that whole thing going on, then, you know, what more there's, what's more is there's a lot more than we even have access to. And, and that happens all the time. The, the other night I had dreams about, oh yeah, that's interesting. You know, no, I don't feel good this week. Could you let me rest? No, no dreams every single night. So clearly the, the subconscious is bubbling and, uh, these writing texting, I'm going to do the what more today. I think you should, particularly if you're saying, why did I have to wait so long? <laughs> right? So no, what, no. just say, you know, why did I have to wait so long? What more do I need to know about this? <laughs> it was you. more that I was whining because I, you know, like, like that I think <laughs> that I have any control over, like, you know, control. Like you said, this writing it down gives you that sense of that you have some modicum of control when really the winds have done just nice all on their own, taking care of every little last detail from, you know, arranging our meeting all those years ago to, you know, Hay House, all of that. When you get out of, when you just do the writing, the rest takes care of itself. I don't know. That's the magic of the writing, right? Yes. For me, the discomfort comes when I'm growing. And I know I want to grow. I, I, I feel very strongly that if I'm not growing, I'm going to just lay down and die. What's the point? <laughs> you know, I mean, I hate, to, I hate to put it that way, but, um, but sometimes I'm just exhausted from growing. And mm -hmm. I, you know, fortunately, it, it's more like an accordion, you know, but I notice that if I'm, if I go with it and let it happen spontaneously and I stay conscious, that I move through it very quickly, right? right. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I move so quickly that all of a sudden I'm in a new place and then I really freak out. Like, <laughs> all these people have been asking me to give speeches lately. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Good, you know? how exciting is that? But, right, so, so I do it anyway. Right. right. I submit my request to be a speaker anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's up to them to say yes or no. And if, and if they say yes, then I, I'll ask, what more do I need to know about this, right? <laughs> I mean, it, that discomfort is revealing areas where more healing is needed. Right. And in the wind work, I call that removing the resistance, you know, to let the wind flow through as it might be. So there's a lot of resistance going on in the universe. And so I'm sure that you're getting the forefront of what's coming up next, because who knew when we started this wind book that all of a sudden the winds were going to whip up around the world like we'd never seen in, you know, 200 years. And so what is, what's trending next? What's, what are people working on? What is fascinating you that you're finding? Uh, women writers who are writing powerful uh, books about who they really are, the cultural understanding of who women are is lagging by about 50 years. Wow. 
interestingly, I have been, there's a lot of um, focus in television and media on the military right now. And uh, this is an area where both sides, you know, political sides in America, for instance, have, um, you know, you get, you get people who are sort of the traditionalists who are, who are, want to celebrate the military and power and uh, the honor and the fighting and the machismo and the whatever. And then uh, you have uh, the other side who are looking at the emotional component, the loss, the wound, the people who stay at home, that type of thing. But uh, I, so I went back to look at earlier television series that uh, pertain to the military. And I actually have found a feminist thread running through them. There's usually a character who's a woman who is, uh, who is having to struggle to be seen and respected and she's a minority in the male world. Well, the interesting thing is we still perceive that when we look at our, you know, the, the literal military. But the funny thing is in every other area of our society, there are more women in college. There are more women getting graduate degrees. Uh, you know, women are, are bringing in income as well as men in their households. You know, we're all, you know, there's maybe 12% of the population at this point are stay-at-home moms, right? It's a small percentage because, first of all, nobody can afford that. But the, <laughs> the um, you know, we really are limited by what we can imagine ourselves to be. So there's, so there's a lot of important healing work being done uh, by women writers now. And I'm very excited about that trend. That's really great. And on that trend, is that something that you have working personally for yourself? It says you have a personal work in progress. Well, I'm actually going down to Mexico uh, shortly to spend five weeks uh, working on my novel and some other small books that I do. You know that I'm I do a lot of packaging for self-published books. And so I'm also going to be working on a series um, of alternative health books related to uh, herbs and essential oils and that, and those kinds of modalities, plant, plant-based modalities. And, you know, so uh, I'll be down there uh, with a client in um, and, you know, just seeing what happens. <laughs> How great is that? I've been, yeah, I've been laying this thing out and doing a lot of research for a number of years and it's just time to go in quiet seclusion and get it, get it done. I love that. Yeah. Um, so I believe that you're going, you're, you're going to have a handout for this what more technique that if people have signed up for the I am symposium, you'll receive in the mail, uh, in the email. And if you're not, you might want to sign up at the I am symposium. So you get that because it's, it's easy to think you just got it right, but it's also better to have instructions, I find, because we love to forget, when, especially when it comes to revealing our unconscious. So one last thought you want to leave people with for 2018. What, what, can, what can a writer do to impact change right now? Well, writers are the truth tellers of our culture. Uh, 
to be a good writer, you need to be a very good observer. And you can practice this in your writing. Uh, look at something, describe it, look at it again, describe it some more, look at it again, describe it some more. You know, we, we tend uh, to follow topics in the news that are very interesting to us. You already, you know, come from a point of view about the world. You're already experiencing the world through the truth of your being, your essential being and your life experiences. Um, uh, okay, let me give you one more really intellectual kind of anything. Okay, it's kind of fun. It's anthropological. So about 250,000 years ago, uh, the early humans were exactly the same as us. That's a hell of a long time ago. But what were they before that? They were more like animals. And, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> the brain of the, the brain of the human is a hybrid brain. And, you know, we, you know, if you are alive, which everybody listening here is, <laughs> you come from an unbroken chain of people that have survived for 12,000 generations or more, if you count all the animals going back, right? Mm -hmm. That is an incredible success record. So what made our ancestors survive were their instincts, were their senses, it was their ability to be present in their body, in the moment, smell the wind, feel you know, the sun on their backs, you know, know when to run, know, you know, know when to fold them, know when to hold them, right? <laughs> You know, and then we discovered this abstract. No, you can't see, but Sami came in. You wanted to put her opinion in that she's been roaming this planet for 250,000 years too, right? Absolutely. And uh, I think dogs were the first domesticates, but then cats, you know, right. dogs, uh, horses, pigs, and cats, I think. Don't and tell then, her that. <laughs> but... Um, you know, so that abstract reasoning, that imagination, actually is the later function, right? However, we, when we marry the two of them, we're really powerful. Mm. And that's why I like this little what more technique. And, you know, it sounds very simple. Draw a line down the middle of the page. But you, if you can find ways to bring up that, that instinctive, unfiltered symbolic meaningful content you know regularly you you will heighten your intuition you will heighten your ability to know what to do because you already know what to do hmm. you're just not asking you have to ask and you know and and then you have to listen you know to the answer and you know the patience is necessary but if you do it, you'll begin to be more in touch with the sensations that let you know what to do. And, and look, if you get it wrong, just do something else. Right. <laughs> you, you know, like, like a window walk. Switch quicker, you know, like quickly switch. Right. And, you know, so that's my last thing to say, really, is you already know the answer. Right. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really want to thank you for sharing this wisdom with us and, uh, for the people who have joined us, make sure you sign up because 
there's going to be another 16 days of this uh, winter solstice symposium. And we're going to put the writing right at the beginning so that maybe you'll be inspired as you go with other people and you, you can, you know, do that exercise from what you learn and what you take away and what you want to add. Because this is, this winter solstice is that time when we go dark, we go inward. It's, it's the, and in the wind cultures, it's the midwinter wind. And I don't know that I've told Stephanie about it, but the, the wind, the, the solstice, how they put the compass points on that compass was on the solstice and where it was coming from on the solstice, which the way the winds were blowing. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting wow. twist that I just learned five years into my research. And, you know, that's because there's always what's more. And I'm really grateful that you're here with us today. And everyone I'm sure at home is going to just can't wait to get your what more exercise. And, and as you see, uh, Stephanie is available for consulting. She's probably pretty busy, but you can get on her schedule, uh, stephaniegunning.com. And when she says she knows about every phase, when I say like, oh, you know, this, I'm having this experience of, oh, I just got a book deal. Oh, they're going to discover me as a bank. Oh, no, that's just the phase. Keep going. <laughs> just keep going. You know, and, and, and so it's, it's funny because the other day somebody just said, oh, I got my book back from the editor. And it was such a, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's such a nice phase too. Keep going. <laughs> And, and, and it really, we think we're so unique when really everyone goes through those same set of, well, stop it. Everyone goes through the same set of circumstances. So thank you, Stephanie, for joining us and go over to stephaniegunning.com and find out what she has to offer as well. Thank you, Renee. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you.